Welcome to Reframe Your Life, a podcast for women who are on a spiritual journey and want to reclaim a vibrant and authentic faith. I'm your host and fellow traveler, Sandy Reynolds. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. This is episode 90, and I'm not sure where you're listening from today and what's going on in your life, but I want to welcome you here to this conversation and invite you to really think about what I'm going to be talking about today. It's a topic that I think is so important in understanding how you live and having a healthy life, having a vibrant and healthy spirituality, having good relationships, being resilient in your life, and finding confidence in your life. So what am I talking about? Well, if you know me very well, you know that I write and talk about this topic quite often, and it is the topic of truth. I often say that I feel like my mission in life is to help people live truthfully so that we can heal our world. And I say that because I feel like most of us or a lot of us have a struggle in being completely honest in our lives. It may be not being honest with yourself about your thoughts and feelings and beliefs. It may be not being able to be honest with people that are close to you about your thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. Or it may be not being able to be honest in the organizations or communities that you're a part of about your thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. So if you have ever struggled to be honest in any of those three areas with yourself, with your relationships, your friends, and your family, or in the broader communities that you're a part of, I think that you will enjoy this episode and there will be something here for you to think about. I originally wanted to look at all three of those areas, but as I started working on the show notes and making an outline of what I wanted to talk about, I realized that this is a really big topic, and so I'm just going to focus today on the first area and explore with you how you can become more honest with yourself. And what does it look like to tell yourself the truth? So I've got some thoughts here and I would love to hear from you on social media. I hang out the most on Instagram. You can find me there at Sandy A. Reynolds on Instagram or on Twitter at Sandy Reynolds. But please jump on and reach out to me. And if you've listened to this episode, let me know what you think about this topic and how you are managing and what's been helpful for you, either in this podcast, in my blog, or in your own learning in how to be truthful. So as I was saying, truth is really important to me. It's something that I place a high value on. My spiritual director once told me that he thought my call was to speak truth to bullshit. And I agree with him. I think that's something that I want to call out all the time. And I get really agitated when I see people being dishonest with themselves in their relationships and their in their organizations. 
I don't know if you watched the U.S. Open when the umpire accused Serena Williams of cheating and she lost it. She demanded an apology. She just went crazy, yelling and screaming. She lost points. She lost a game and she was raging. And I understood what was happening with her because I felt like the umpire just attacked her on a level that was a high value for her. Clearly, integrity and honesty mattered to her. And when that was called into question, she wanted to defend herself because she had no intention of cheating. And that was what he said she was doing. I was so impressed with her and I think part of it is because I have struggled in my life with being a defender of my own truth and I loved that she was defending herself and demanding an apology and not backing down. I think it's easy sometimes when we're being challenged to back down and I thought she was a great role model for us. I don't want to digress on that conversation, so let's get back a little bit to truth. I want to give you a couple of definitions for truth, and I'm going to speak a Greek word and a Hebrew word, so let me warn you that I'm pretty sure I'm not going to pronounce either one of them correctly. The Greek word for truth is aletheia, which literally means to unhide or hide nothing. It conveys the thought that truth is always there, always open and available for all to see, with nothing being hidden or obscured. So think about that in terms of truth, about this idea that truth is always there. What happens is that we can hide it or that we can obscure it and make it difficult to see. So how do we become more honest with ourselves? The Hebrew word for truth is emeth, which means firmness, constancy, and duration. Such a definition implies an everlasting substance and something that can be relied upon. And I think of that more in the spiritual sense of truth when we're talking about truth, that there is something that is greater than us, whatever you choose to call that, whether you call that God, whatever, source, whatever you call that. But the Hebrew word alludes to the fact that there is an everlasting substance and something that can be relied upon, and that is truth. And I love that idea that the very foundation that we build on is truth. So how do we become honest with ourselves? Because I think that is the starting place in this conversation on truth. I know I have, and at times I still find it difficult to speak my truth, to be completely honest. Ha ha. Even saying bullshit on this podcast made me feel a little bit nervous. And if you know me very well, you'll probably be surprised because you know I have no trouble swearing if necessary and even when it's not necessary. But I've been so conditioned to worry about what other people think and not wanting to offend other people that oftentimes... If I'm not in the company of people that I feel I can really trust with myself and who I am, I put on a different Sandy. And 
I was thinking about that as I was writing these notes. I don't want to come across here like it's really easy and once you discover your truth, you'll just speak it freely without any fear of repercussions because you won't. And it's possible that it wouldn't be always wise to do that. Although I think that we err far more on the side of not speaking our truth when we need to be clear on who we are and what we really think. In fact, you might be thinking when I talk about that, as soon as I said about us being conditioned to worry about what other people think and not wanting to offend others so much that we don't show up as the real us or the real me. And you may have been questioning that. You might have thought, but isn't there a time when you should hold back? When you shouldn't speak your truth because it might offend someone? And honestly, I'm not real so sure anymore. I've been, I was thinking about that as I wrote these notes. I am not sure when that time is. And I guess in the extreme example of a child being present and you don't want to say something that might traumatize them. But overall, I think when we are in conversations with adults and speaking adult to adult, we need to become more confident in saying what we believe and what our real thoughts and feelings and truth is in a situation. As long as we withhold our truth about ourselves and don't bring our authentic selves to the table, we're not going to be able to use our gifts to heal the world and to bring health into our relationships and in our organizations. I also think we contribute to groupthink and we lead other people astray because they assume that we are being honest when in fact we're holding back what we really think and believe. John O'Donohue writes in The Trap of False Belonging, we learn to fit in, shrink down, and minimize our truth. We want to please others and not rock the boat, so we cancel or hide our true selves. We choose to live with cognitive dissonance over being authentic and true to ourselves. And I believe it's time for us, especially for women, to get honest with ourselves, with the people around us and in our organizations. And this is for our own mental health and for the greater good of our society. We live in times where depression and anxiety are rampant. And it reminds me of this quote I read once from Kierkegaard, where he said, the deepest form of despair is when we choose to be someone other than ourselves. And we do this all the time in our lives. We choose to be what other people or what we think other people want us to be. They might not even want us to be that, but we choose that. And as a result, we live with despair because we're always hiding. We're not being ourselves and we're living in this place of trying to please people and trying to get respect from people based on a false presentation of who we really are. So how do we start to reclaim our truth? I think the first step is to wake up 
or become aware of what our real truth is and, and what we think and feel and believe. We defer so much of that to other people to tell us. We listen to talk radio. We listen to voices on Twitter. We read feedback comments. We read reviews like crazy. We're always getting input from armchair critics, from other people about how to think and what to believe. And we can start to get lazy and we can start to pass over our power and just willingly give it away. One of the books that I think you should probably stop this podcast, go by and read is The Dance of the Dissident Daughter by Sue Monk Kidd. I would say it's been one of the most influential books in my life as I've moved away from a very unhealthy uh, religion to a more vibrant and life-giving and healthy expression of faith. And Sue Monk Kidd refers to this as being in a deep sleep. And I'm going to read you a quote from Dance of the Dissident Daughter. A woman in deep sleep is one who goes about in an unconscious state. She seems unaware or unfazed by the truth of her own female life. The truth about women in general, the way women and the feminine have been wounded, devalued, and limited within culture, churches, and families. She cannot see the wound or feel the pain. She has never acknowledged much less confronted, sexism within the church, biblical interpretations, or Christian doctrine. Okay, so women have been largely missing from positions of church power. We've been silenced and relegated to positions of subordination by by biblical interpretations and doctrine. And God has been represented to us as exclusively male. So what? The woman in deep sleep is oblivious to the psychological and spiritual impact this has had on her. Or maybe she has some awareness of it all, but keeps it sequestered nicely in her head, rarely allowing it to move down into her heart or into the politics of her spirituality. I always thought of myself as a feminist, or at least as a woman who was very aware of my rights, I did not realize how indoctrinated culturally I was about what it meant to be a woman. And it's subtle. It's there everywhere. And we've internalized it. I'm going to be 60, probably by the time this podcast airs or by the time I have it posted, I'll be 60. And I'm I'm kind of excited about being 60. I was really not looking forward to it for a while. I had to work out some of my feelings around age. And as I've started to really reclaim what it means to be a woman at this age, I've become more and more excited about the possibility and the opportunity that's before me as I enter into this new stage of life. But I graduated high school in 1976. So some of you were probably not even born yet. And that's okay. I was and I was uh, 17, just going to turn 18 when I graduated high school. 
And there were really three options for women. You were a teacher, you were a nurse, or you went into a secretarial program. And that's what I signed up for. I signed up at what's now a university, but it was Ryerson Polytechnical School. And I signed up there for their secretarial science program. And I thought that was the right place for me. I actually ended up not even following through on going into that program. And I went instead in the direction of learning to be a makeup artist and studying cosmetics and working for a major brand in selling makeup. And I just didn't really see that there were a lot of options available for me. Later in my early 20s, I went back to school to do a Bachelor of Theology degree. And when I was there, even during that program, I realized that there were very few options for me in the area of theological studies. Like I couldn't be a minister. I couldn't be a pastor at that time in church. I could be on a staff. I could probably work with women or children because I wasn't musically inclined. I was never going to be a choir director or work in that part of a church community. So I ended up not finishing that program either because there just was no options for me that were appealing. And once I'd sort of done the basic pro courses and didn't know where I wanted to focus, I dropped out of the program. But that was the world that I grew up in. And that wasn't that long ago. And I still hear women finishing school. Although they have more opportunities, we still see that gap where not as many women enter into engineering or enter into some of that of the traditionally male dominated careers. I'm excited to see that that's changing. But I'm just bringing this up because I think that we have been conditioned as women. And part of that conditioning for some of us may be that we've just shut down and we are in a deep sleep where we're not even aware of how we understand what it means to be a woman. Once we start to wake up, we then need to start to speak up. And I'm going to read you another quote from Sue Monk Kidd. And she said, I began to reflect on the ways I'd withheld my opinions, muzzled disconcerting truths, refrained from expressing my true feelings, squelched my riskier ideas, or thwarted my creativity. When I did that, I was living out of the script of the silent woman. Being a silent woman is not about being quiet and reticent. It's about stifling our truth, our real truth. The poet Muriel Rakaiser writes, what would happen if one woman told the truth about her life? The world would split open. Brene Brown writes a lot about this. And one of the things that she wrote in Wholehearted Living, I think that's the name of the book, was that you either walk into your story and own your truth, or you live outside of your story, hustling for your worthiness. And a lot of us are there. 
We're living outside of our own stories, hustling for someone else to tell us that we're worthy. One of the reasons I've held back in speaking my truth is I know how it might impact other people. And I'm going to do a podcast episode on this topic in a few weeks. How do you speak your truth even when you know that other people will disagree with you and it will impact your relationships? How do you find that courage? We're going to talk about that. Because it's not about blowing up the systems we're a part of. It's not about hurting and destroying other people. It's about recognizing that we don't have to trade off ourselves to make other people happy. And that's something that we are conditioned to do. We are conditioned as women to be accommodating. In personality tests like the Myers-Briggs Women often show a preference for feeling, which means that we put harmony above truth. Or if you're more familiar with the big five personality test, um, women often come out as being uh, accommodating or agreeable on that test. In fact, I was doing a little bit of research on women and personality testing. And I found this article written by someone who actually did the big five test. And in that test, you identify whether you're male or female. And apparently that actually impacts your results. And so he gave the, I think it was a man, he gave the exact same answers. The only thing he did differently was identify as a male or a female in the test. With one, it came back that he, that he or she, because it was the one where he identified as a woman, um, that he was straightforward and opinionated and could be difficult and argumentative. And in that same test, with the only difference being told that, uh, saying that it was a man doing the test, he, it came back that he was a charismatic leader. So these are the ways that this infiltrates us and we're not even aware of it. Another reason you may avoid seeking or expressing your truth is because you don't want to act on it. Martha Beck wrote in Leaving the Saints, knowing my own truth made made me responsible for choosing a course of action based on that truth, even if it meant breaking with traditions and institutions. I often say that I can't go back to church anymore, specifically as a pastor's wife, because I refuse to play the game now. I struggle with the spiritual abuse that came from being in that role. There were times, for sure, there were times when I was very honest. In fact, at one point I kicked someone out of our home because he was just being rude and bigoted and opinionated and we had company and This man was one of the people from the church we had invited over and he started going off on this rant and I just stopped him and I asked him to leave our house. It made everybody feel really uncomfortable, but it made me feel really good because I had stood up for my values and for what was important to me. And I think it was one of those times when I realized that I did have a voice and I could speak my truth and I was done playing nice. So are you telling yourself the truth? Do you know what you really believe about things in your life? 
Are you taking time to sort them out or are you deferring to other people to tell you what you think and believe? How often do you find yourself asking someone, who should I vote for? Who are you voting for? Not because you're actually doing a survey and trying to find out about the candidates in your area, but because you're just being uh, lazy and deferring to someone who you think may have thought it through and can tell you who to vote for. Or how often do you ask people what their opinions are on things because you don't want to take time to formulate your own opinion on something? It takes a lot of work and it's an ongoing process to really get honest with yourself, to know who you are, to understand what your triggers are, and to let those triggers point to what's the values that are being violated underneath of them. And it's something that goes on our entire life. We're constantly learning about ourselves as we mature. And I think we need to do this in the context sometimes of other people because sometimes it can be hard to see the truth in our own situation. And that's why we need to have good friends and coaches and therapists and spiritual directors or whoever else is going to help you. But I want to encourage you to think about these areas. Are you being the silent woman? Are you being the deep sleeping woman? Or are you waking up and speaking up and ultimately bringing healing in your life? The truth will set you free, but freedom isn't always easy to claim and to walk in. We keep ourselves in bondage often because we're afraid to trust ourselves and to trust that the truth of who we are is good enough and it is good and pure. We've been taught sometimes that we shouldn't trust ourselves and we shouldn't trust our feelings and we shouldn't trust what's deepest within us. But we can trust that. We can trust that we can develop discernment and believe and know that deep within us is something good. I work with women to help them reclaim a healthy and vibrant spirituality. If you want to work with someone to help you start to understand what is important to you and what you really believe, reach out. I've got some ways to support you in that journey. I can support you at all different levels in that as uh, one-on-one or in a course or in just even directing you to some good, some good books and material to help you as you start on that journey. I want to thank you again and I am grateful for this space where we can show up and tell the truth about who we are.